Hello, and welcome to the Big Leads Press Pass podcast. I'm your host, Liam McEwen. And today with us, we have Nikki Jabala of the Washington Post. She covers the Washington football team full time. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. And as always, Nikki, we'll just get started with the quick and easy question that will hopefully, uh, you know, be pretty interesting. I think it will be. Uh, just kind of share with us how you started your sports media journey from when you first realized that this was the industry that you wanted to be in and then how you ended up to where you are at the Washington Post. Oh, man. Um, I, I feel very lucky and fortunate. I kind of fell into it. I went to, um, I went to North Carolina and... Um, out of high school, I was dead set on becoming a doctor. So I started pre-med, realized that required quite a bit of studying and reading and, and money. Um, so that quickly ended and I changed my majors a number, a number of times, but I, I took a night course in, in journalism, um, sports journalism. It was taught by Tim Crothers, who's a former Sports Illustrated writer. Um, incredible journalist. It was just it was so much fun, honestly. And I loved it. I felt like I was halfway decent at it. Um, so I, I took more journalism classes or as many as they would let me, um, given my major at the time. And eventually I, I just switched my major to journalism. And um, after my junior year, I got an internship with SI Kids. I got the same internship again um, after I graduated and a full-time position opened up with SI.com to be a producer and editor. Um, and I did that for about five years. I worked on the MMA beat, which was interesting. Um, and then NBA and got to know a lot of fantastic writers. Lee Jenkins is still one of my all time favorites. Jack McCallum, wonderful. Um, and then I went to sports on earth. It was a startup with, uh, MLB and USA today. I, I, was part of the team that helped launched it, but I was there only six months because uh, the New York Times offered me a job just to be a homepage editor overnight. Um, and that was super interesting. I, I was there for about a year and a half and learned so much in that year and a half. Um, and then my, my parents moved out to Denver. I was really eager to be closer to them. Um, so I left New York and moved to Denver, worked for the Denver Post and they kind of put me on the Broncos beat because they needed some help there. And, um, you know, after a year of kind of being the third wheel on the beat, I was elevated to full time. And, um, you know, all told was on that beat for, I guess, six years. Um, and it was a great experience. Learned a ton. It was super hard, but super fun, you mm -hmm. know, getting paid to watch football and write about it. Not, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and then the Washington Post job came up and it's, it's been great so far. Been a little weird, you know, learning a new team all by Zoom, but I feel like we're all figuring that out now. So, um, but it's, it's been an incredibly fun ride and I've had a lot of great mentors, um, so many great people helping me along the way. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel pretty fortunate for the way things have gone. Yeah, that's quite uh, quite the path you took. A lot of really big names on in that uh, past too. But let's just start off back in college. You got that internship with SI for Kids. Was that your first like journalism experience, or did you do some work with the student paper or anything like that before doing the uh, SI? So I actually lived at home for my last two years of college, um, saved money, and freelanced. And I freelanced for a local paper. I also worked for the Daily Tar Heel. Um, anywhere I could freelance. I mean, I was just all about getting clips and that ultimately helped me of course um 
so yeah, I had just done a ton of freelance work, wrote whenever I could. Mm-hmm. Um, I covered the baseball team, women's basketball team, women's soccer team, um, did a little bit with the softball team, um, wherever they sent me at Carolina. So it helped a ton. I mean, that's, as you probably know, that, that, you know, that experience is what really matters. It's less about, you know, where you went to school or anything like that. It's, it's who you know and how much work you've done. And that's, that was really my focus throughout school. And then what did, uh, what did SI have you doing for SI for kids specifically? Yeah. I mean, that was just kind of, you know, Oh, go cover the NBA draft at Madison square garden. Okay, sure. Would love to. <laughs> um, you know, they just, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, being in midtown New York, there's quite a bit going on. Um, but they, I mean, they, they were great. They sent me wherever you could, you would sit in on you know, editors meetings. They would have you edit copy, um, write stuff on the side from the office, cover events locally. Uh, it, it was a great experience. And then, mm-hmm. After the internships, um, you know, moving to SI.com, it was it was all editing, producing, which in hindsight is really great. It, it helped me a ton because then you get a feel for what your editors are looking for, what works mm-hmm. online digitally, which is so important anymore. Um, so I'm actually glad I, I took that path. You know, I really wanted to become a writer right out of college, but um, doing the editing, producing stuff for about seven years was really great it helped me yeah definitely was there when you first kind of made that transition from being a writer type to being an editor producer were there some challenges that you sort of had to overcome as far as just the differences in those jobs and what they ask for yeah and I mean I feel like with any job you kind of learn on the job you learn what that employer wants of you right um so you learn basic html you learn you know the the basic stuff about photo editing and you know what works and headlines and um the type of content they're looking for and it it differs by site um oh I guess I left out the athletic when I mentioned my (laughs) (laughs) whoops I was thinking about all the awesome different like types of things I had to I did do, but yeah so it differs by site um you know certainly the athletic is looking for different stuff from you know the New York Times or the Denver Post or things like that um so it was it was a really good experience and you know working for an established brand like SI and then going to like a startup with Sports on Earth I feel like I got kind of a good range there to kind of figure out what I really wanted to do yeah definitely let's talk about that transition a little bit I mean why did you decide to make the jump from such a you know sports it's sports illustrated yeah huge journalistic institution in the sports media landscape and then you go from that to a startup so kind of what was your process there and what were you trying to accomplish by joining them i i I wanted to do more um Mm. and at the time there wasn't much opportunity um being on the producing editing track at si.com to really advance um so i i thought that would be a good opportunity to really do more editing and have more say because they were just launching so you know i was able to give my input on the types of writers we hired and the content and um you know the daily workflow and that was that was cool that was that was exciting to me and i'm glad for that experience um but that was more of me like 
I, I just wanted to do more. Mm. Um, and the same with making the jump from the New York Times and, you know, the, the Times to the Denver Post. I think each time I was looking, you know, I want to do more and more and more. Um, and then after a while, you, you kind of figure out what you like the best and, um, you know, I guess in, in some ways what, what you seek in a job kind of evolves and changes over time. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense as far as just the career path goes. When the Times yeah. called, what was your initial reaction there? Because it kind of seems like from your story, there's certain, you know, things line up and they lead to another thing and then in comes yeah. the Times of all places. So kind of how did that come to be and what was your thought process going into that? I thought they had the wrong person. <laughs> I mean, because I, you know, there was a period when I was looking for uh, another job while still at SI and that's how that came about. That's why there was only those six months at, at Sports on Earth. Um, so I didn't hear from the New York Times and, you know, I had to take an editing test as part of the whole application process. Um, and I guess I passed. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I was, I was surprised they, they wanted to bring me in for an interview and, you know, I asked multiple times, are you sure you got the right person? Are you sure it says Nicole Jabala on there? Um, okay. So, um, yeah, it was. I mean, the New York Times, that was, it's still is kind of that dream job, you know, working for a title like that. And it, it really, it lived up to the billing. Um, you know, I wasn't a featured writer or anything like that. I was, I was a copy editor. I was a homepage producer from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm the only one in the building. So that was interesting. Um, but you just learn so much. I mean, you sit with all the folks on the masthead and you learn how they go through the editing process. And, um, and they have so many layers of editing too, that I was just not exposed to at other publications. Um, so it, it was tremendous, honestly, even with those hours, I absolutely loved it there. <laughs> yeah. Despite the hours, it still is the New York times after all. Yeah. And so, right. So at the New York times, you're like deep in the copy editing sort of realm. And then I know you said you wanted to go back to Denver to kind of be close mm -hmm. to your parents, but just as far as from a professional mindset, I know you said you wanted to do more, but this seems more mm -hmm. of like a transition to do something different rather than taking on like right. your quantity of responsibilities. So kind of what, what were you thinking when you decided to leave the New York Times and head over to Denver? Yeah, I mean, I that was a hard decision because I really did love the New York Times. And I'm like, you know, it's not often that you go from like a, a prominent national publication to a more regional one. Um, but I think I was just at that phase where I'd been in New York seven years and I loved New York and had I had more family around, I think it, I probably would have absolutely stayed, but my family's pretty close and I was kind of eager to be closer to them. Mm. Um, so I, I, you know, just started reaching out to folks in Denver because my parents had just moved there. We all grew up in North Carolina. Um, and I, I loved it out there and I just, you know, was ready for a life change, honestly. Um, and, you know, I, I, again, I feel like I just get lucky with the timing and they were looking to hire somebody on the, on the sports desk to help with, with um, digital production, which I know a little something about it. So um, it, it worked out and, you know, I, I made the move, which was terrifying because I, I, I don't, you never know how things are going to work out. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I just, wherever they needed help, I helped. And um, the Broncos beat was one of them because it was, this was 2014. So this was, you know, right after they lost, the Broncos lost Super Bowl 48. Mm -hmm. 
and there was a ton going on and you know this was in April too so this was kind of in the heart of free agency when they sign all these big name players and the draft so it was a pretty busy time and you know the the Denver Post is a small staff even smaller staff now so it was kind of all hands on deck and um I guess they liked some of the stuff I, I did and decided to keep me on. Um, so it was a, a great experience. It really was. Yeah, it sounds like a little bit of a trial by fire, just jumping right in yeah. and for a Super Bowl contending team. But so I know you said you they were kind of looking for somebody to help with digital production, but it sounded like you were kind of a jack of all trades there. But this is, from my understanding, right, the first real time that you have been back on like a beat writing-esque sort of skill set since yeah. when you were freelancing even before Sports Illustrated. So, I mean, is it like riding a bike? Is it that easy to just flip the switch? No, <laughs> <laughs> not for me. I mean, maybe for others, but yeah, no, that was a difficult transition. I mean, there are so many times and even still, I mean, I'm like, I think I forgot how to write. This is a problem. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was somewhat tough transition but things move so quickly um and there's so much news that you don't have time to think about it and honestly i think being thrown into the fire like that was the best thing that could have happened because um i'm i'm one of those writers where if i don't have a deadline or i i you know it's not as pressing i just i work better with deadlines <laughs> i need to know when you need it and how long and you know I always file too long. My editors hate me for that. Um, but it just, you know, it keeps me in a rhythm, I guess. Definitely. I mean, everybody works differently. Some of us work better under pressure. I imagine you're a bit of a procrastinator in school, so it all lines up, you know. <laughs> can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> of course, of course. And so you kind of mentioned this before, but obviously, you know, going from the New York Times with its gigantic building in Midtown and hundreds and hundreds of employees and then going to the Denver Post, which is a much smaller operation. I mean, I can only imagine the kind of the differences there. So as somebody who's been a part and in the middle of those two like scales of journalistic operations, kind of what were the biggest differences for you besides the obvious like sheer quantity of people involved? Yeah, I think, you know, for one, at the smaller publications, you do more. Um, you know, your, your role isn't as defined. Um, and in some ways that's good, some ways that's bad. I mean, you know, even the year I was more of a digital producer and, you know, kind of part-time writer for home games, um, it, it never stops. It, you're always on call. Whereas, you know, with my specific role at the New York Times for writers, it's obviously different, but for my specific role, it was, it was pretty finite. You show up, you do your work, you go home, rarely does that work spill over unless you're one of the prominent editors or something and you're kind of on call with the writers. But um, so that that was a big difference. I was really worried I would be bored out of my mind in Denver coming from New York. And I, I honestly wasn't. I, um, you know, I think I purposely moved like into the heart of the city. I'm like, I have to be around action and people. Um, and Denver's beautiful. Um, but, you know, it was a good it was that part of it was the easy transition. I had my family around. Um, my brother moved out there a couple months later. My sister moved out there not too long after. So, um, I mean, it was kind of the dream for my family. Um, so that, that part wasn't that bad. I mean, none of it was bad, but that part wasn't, you know, too difficult. It was, you know, kind of getting back into 
to the writing mode. And I think it just comes, it's more a confidence thing, um, mm. you know, and I, I think there are so many times where I question like, I'm not even good at this. I have no idea what's going on. I hadn't covered football before either. I always thought if I get into writing again, it would be for basketball. My, my brother played basketball in college. So that's what was always around me. But um, so a lot of times I just felt like a moron <laughs> in the locker room. Like, I don't even know that dude's name. I don't know what he does. Um, <laughs> how do you want me to write about him? You know, there are times you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a total fraud right now. Um, but you know, the, it's like with anything, the longer you do it, the more they see you, the more comfortable they are with you and, and vice versa. So, um, yeah, just, you know, the first couple of years on the beat were tough, you know, um, but it it ultimately helped me in the long run. Yeah, for sure. And you said that you started working there in spring 2014. So when did you mm -hmm. make that move from kind of doing everything like we were previously talking mm -hmm. about to like only focusing on the Broncos beat? Yeah, so they, they made me full-time um, at the start of the next season. Um, Mike Kliss, who was the lead beat writer, left for um, – a local network. So they needed a number two on the beat. So they put me on. I honestly think I was the easiest and cheapest option, which whatever, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> whatever works. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't care. Um, and, you know, I started to build some connections. They, they knew me already. The team did. So it, that helped. Um, but it, it wasn't like I was really reporting a ton when I was just kind of that third wheel reporter. I would help out on game days and kind of help the writers with whatever they needed in terms of editing and production and whatever. Um, so building that sourcing and, and really learning the ropes again of becoming a beat writer, especially on that beat, which I think some people underestimate the Broncos beat because it just seems like a small town Deal, but they're it's much like covering you know the Cowboys or the Packers it's super competitive on the Broncos beat because they're they're the primary game in town um you know unfortunately I feel like the Nuggets should get more attention than they do in Denver but um <laughs> yeah I mean come on but you know the Broncos I hate to say it they're they're kind of own that city um and so it's super competitive um, there's a there's a ton of um, beat writers and and local newscasters who are always there, and I'm the new kid and trying to find my way. So, um, yeah, no, the first couple of years were tough, but you know, then Troy eventually left for a regional network, Troy Rank, um, and I got bumped up to number one, and yeah, just kind of stuck with that for a while, and eventually did the same thing for the athletic though in obviously a different capacity because they're the athletic and mm -hmm. yeah yeah all right well that's uh like you said yeah. Denver it's a it's a hot spot of journalism I mean you got Adam Schefter coming out of the Broncos beat you yeah. got coming out of the Broncos beat that's a pretty good list right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a I mean yeah there's a Denver has a solid media history for sure for sure so. And so then now you, that brings us to now. We kind of, you said, mentioned this is your first year on the Washington beat. How did the post kind of, how did that job come about for you? How did it pop up on your radar? Yeah, so I, I owe a lot to Robert Klemko. Um, 
you know, he, he reached out to me, I guess, in, uh, earlier this year. And I want to say it was around February, actually. And, you know, asked me if this would be something that I'm interested in. And I'm like, yeah, it's the Washington Post. Um, and then, of course, you know, everything with the coronavirus hit and, you know, the world kind of shut down. I'm like, well, there's no way they're going to fill this position now. Um, you know, I know a number of the sports writers had, you know, been assigned to national jobs, Robert being one of them. Um, so I'm like, there's, it's just not going to happen. I don't even know if there's going to be a season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they did. And, you know, I went through the interview process and for some reason they liked me and they, <laughs> and they hired me and it's, it's honestly been great. I mean, I know the circumstances are less than ideal, um, but the post has been nothing but wonderful to me. And even the team, I mean, it's Ron Rivera is, you know, he's great to media. And I think that was his reputation going in. He was a big reason I, I was really interested in the job because I've heard nothing but great things about covering him. And he's, he's lived up to the building. Um, it's, it's been good. You know, I wish I could meet these people in person so they could get to know me. I'm sure it's got to be tough on their end to be like, who is this chick? Why, why should I talk to her? Um, but, you know, there's, I feel more comfortable starting in this role than I did, I did starting, you know, with the Broncos beat just because I was just so new to it. Mm-hmm. Um, at least now I have a foundation just in terms of, I know how this works. Like, you know, I, I know the people I, I, can turn to for, for help on a lot of this. Um, and, and my Kobe writers, Sam Fortier and, and Les Carpenter have been amazing too. So um, I'm like all sunshine and rainbows today. You caught me on a good day. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's, it's been really good. I mean, yeah, I, I'm kind of over the Zoom thing. I think everybody is, but um, given the circumstances, I mean, we've been able to travel. Um, was a little nervous about it at first just Mm. with everything going on but it's actually been really helpful job wise and very grateful we're still able to go on the road so it's been good oh that's great and I mean like you said you know you take this job and the world shuts down and you have to start doing all this quickly and then not only that but it was quite a summer of news for the Washington football (laughs) team leading to themselves being called the Washington football team and with the various uh, issues and scandals that have come out involving the cheerleaders and all that with Dan Snyder. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how was that as like your first off season covering this team and you have all of this on your plate instead of what is normally yeah. a slow time in NFL news? Yeah. I mean, I kind of have this history of being thrown into the fire for my first really? year or so. <laughs> um, but you know, this one, this one's a bit different because they have so many established reporters and writers that, um, you know, most of them were, were handling this reporting when I came on. So my, my biggest task was really focusing on the football side of things and getting to know as many people as I could and really learning this team um, from the little I could get from talking to them. So um, I just made a point to, you know, reach out to many people as I could, um, research as much as I could on my own, um, you know, and really just focus on that stuff because there's, yeah, there's so much going on with this team. And I, I remember, like, I I drove from Denver to D.C. Yeah, there was it was a pretty long three-day drive. But, I mean, even in those three days, so much happened. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is, <laughs> what is going on right now? Um, but, you know, I, I, that's, that's the beauty of the Washington Post in my mind is they have so many resources that 
um, just being who they are with their history and their ownership structure is, you know, it's, I feel fortunate to work there because it's, it's just different, you know? Um, so you don't feel completely overwhelmed when you walk into situations like this. Um, you know, it is a little intimidating writing, you know, alongside some of the incredible writers that are at the post, but, um, I honestly can't say enough wonderful things about them. They've all been incredibly welcoming to me. So it's it's been good. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, like you said, I've only heard good things about the Washington Post. They are the Washington Post after all. But I mean, between that and SI.com and the New York Times, I mean, you have a lot of big names kind of checked off on that resume there. When you look back at kind of like your career so far and these cornerstone publications that you've worked for, I mean, how do you how do you see that as you go forward? I feel lucky. I mean, I, I really do. I, I feel like I've had some really good mentors at every stop, which has helped me tremendously. And I know not, not everybody gets that. Um, you know, so I, I think timing has worked out. I mean, I, I did work my butt off. Um, I, I still just kind of work 24 seven, but I really enjoy it. So it doesn't feel like work. I mean, I, people must, I must drive people insane because I do send texts at like 11 p.m. or something. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't go to bed for like another four hours. I'm watching game tape like a loser. Um, so, sorry. Um, but this is, you know, the thing that there are tough times. It is a stressful job. It's an incredibly fun job. Um, and I realize not everybody gets that when they set out to find their profession, you know, to, to many people, a job is just that it's a job. You do it because you have to, I feel like I found the, the one thing I truly love and was meant to do. And I'm incredibly grateful for that, but there are some really stressful moments. Um, you know, it, it, it's a tough job and I, I've learned that the hard way, but I, I appreciate the grind of it too. I like, working um I don't have a social life I have no hope of attaining one um <laughs> but it's to me it's it's worth it I and I don't know that it is for other people but for me it's it is so it, it's worked out so far um and every day I'm employed during a pandemic I'm very happy about it very grateful for it yeah and I think being stuck at home all these months has certainly reminded those of us who do mm. our jobs how important it is to have a job that you like exactly exactly so I got it pretty good yeah exactly me and you both got it pretty good but that is uh that's quite a that's quite a journey it looks but I mean really worked out for you great it seems like you're you know doing good work in your first year at the Washington Post and now we'll move on to talking a little bit about the football team that you do write about and my first question is the one that is most pressing on my mind and I imagine most pressing on most people's minds um are they going to stick with the football team moniker or <laughs> going to actually try to make a different change I personally am very much in favor of sticking with the football team I think WFT is a really nice acronym for it. I just think it's good, but I'm interested yeah. in your thoughts. Yeah, it's a nice acronym until you, you know, have a slip up and you actually mix up the letters to mean something else. That's true. Um, <laughs> which I have come close to doing a number of times, which would be bad. Um, yeah, the post wouldn't let that fly, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank goodness for copy editors. That's all I'll say. Um, no, I... I, I don't know, to be honest. I, I think it's interesting. I, I think some people really like it. I think there's, uh, a, you know, others that are really gung-ho about, you know, like the Red Bulls or something. Um, 
what's interesting to me is to see how much they've invested in the marketing side of it. And then that makes me think, oh gosh, maybe they are just going to stick with this because it, it's been a lot. I mean, you, you change a brand name of that magnitude. Yeah. It's going to be incredibly costly. Um, you would like to think, especially in the NFL, the, the benefits outweigh the cost. And, you know, if you change it twice, oh, you could, you know, reap double benefits. But, you know, I do wonder if, if they find that, you know, this is what more people are calling it, or if this is what fans have um, really attached themselves to that they do ultimately stick with it. I don't, I, from the people I've talked to, I don't get the sense that it's been ruled out that they'll definitely change it, but I still think they're, they're trying to figure that out. And I think that's, um, that's one reason that, you know, they hired Jason Wright is to help them with that and many other things going on. Yeah. To say the least but yeah no that made that makes perfect sense I think this is one of those things where they're definitely the football team this year and then they'll have this big marketing campaign where they sink a couple million into hiring some firm to do some research and all that and then yeah after that I mean who knows I think the best suggestion I heard alternative to just the football team was the red tails and all the history that comes along with that but I mean overall I mean you know who knows? They're already, they're already yeah. merged. They'll probably just base it off of that, you know, that bottom line sale. So we'll see about yeah. that. But now on to the actual football matters. The biggest uh, thing that changed for the Washington football team in the last couple of weeks was the benching of Dwayne Haskins. And now Kyle Allen is the starter. And sort of mm-hmm. from where you are in your position, kind of reporting on the organization, what's the deal there? Why, like, why did, ha- I know mm-hmm. Rivera said he just didn't feel like Haskins was, you know, making enough progress, but it was also mm-hmm. four weeks of a season where he didn't have a preseason or a training camp and Haskins was kind of a project to start with. So sort of what's your read on that situation? Is Allen definitely going to be the starter for the rest of the year? And what could the team end up doing with Haskins if they decide that he is definitely not their guy, which it seems like they're yeah. close to doing if they haven't done already. Yeah. So I think there were a number of factors at play. One of which being, um, you know, they didn't feel like Haskins was developing at the pace that, you know, they, they would have hoped. I think, too, was they looked at the schedule and they looked at the division, which is pretty terrible right now. <laughs> um, but it's also wide open. And this is a team that's rebuilding, clearly, mm-hmm. or trying to. Um, and if they can, you know, try to win the division in year one, that could have you know, long-term benefits in terms of building that foundation and, you know, even giving, you know, future free agents a reason to be like, hey, like, we did this in year one, think about what we could do going forward. Um, So I do think it is all part of um, the longer-term picture that Ron Rivera wants to achieve. And, and, you know, he he was hired as, as a fixer of sorts, you know, he's, the de facto GM, he's head coach, but he is known around the league as um, somebody players love playing for. He, he can kind of create that culture that has been lacking severely in Washington for the better part of the last two decades. Um, and I, 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 he has a long-term plan. He hasn't revealed all the specifics, but this plays into it is he wants to kind of create that winning mentality which sounds cliche and silly at times but I I think it's real like he he wants to show these players who have been accustomed to nothing but losing in Washington what it takes to actually win Mm -hmm. um and that's that's part of what this is and given the scheme they run um 
the development of Dwayne Haskins and um, there are other options on the roster. And, you know, frankly, I think everybody kind of saw this as a possibility the moment they traded for Kyle Allen, given, you know, what he did for Rivera and Scott Turner in Carolina. We knew this was a possibility at some point. I thought it might happen after the buy if it happened at all. Um, but I think Ron was really looking at the chance to win the division and thinking of the long-term effect of that on the rest of the team and kind of where it would put them. So um, now as far as Kyle Allen, is he the starter going forward? I mean, he is for now. Um, how long he is, I think it's kind of up to him and how the team fares. Um, and I, I think the biggest question that I don't think even they have an answer to yet is what is the long-term plan at that position? Um, because as I know, having covered the Broncos for the last five years, um, where they've gone through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback in trying to succeed Peyton Manning, if if you don't fill that most that position, that most important position on the field, then you're just kind of in that spin cycle. Um, so I, I don't know that Kyle Allen is the answer for now. He is. And you know, maybe he ends up being that bridge quarterback, but um, I think they want to ride it out as long as they can. Yeah, well, like you said, the NFC East is hilariously awful. So, I mean, so bad. You know, if they at whatever their record is right now, one and two and two and two and four, are they two and five? One and one and four. One and four. Yeah, that's very easily winnable. Yeah, they can easily yeah. easily win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no matter who is going to be back there, but. In terms of building blocks for this team, it seems, from my perspective, somebody who does not watch the Washington football team unless it's on red zone, it seems like Chase Young is really the real deal at that number two spot, yes. or that who's a number two draft selection. I know that he recently is struggling with some injuries, so you haven't seen a lot of them, but just, you know, as somebody who grinds that tape every week, like we were talking about, has this guy been as advertised? Very much so. I mean, he's, he's 21, and he's he's a freak and I mean that in the nicest way possible but he can just do things and his physical presence allows him to do things that you know other guys can't and he's and he works his butt off which I think is huge and I think that's huge to Ron Rivera especially as he's um trying to establish this culture so to speak of you know really creating a strong work work ethic among guys um so, yeah, he is the real deal. I mean, he is still a rookie in some ways. He still needs to refine some of his pass rushing, and he's, he's, he's honestly kind of better in, the, in you know, run defense. But I think he's been a huge asset to that defense. And this is a line that was already deep on first-round picks. Um, but I, I think ultimately he's made Montez sweat better, um, not to take anything away from Montez himself, but – just having another like guy like that on the other side frees up so many opportunities for the others. So um, I think this is a team where the defense is going to be the leader for a couple of years, if not more. Um, they have more talent over there. They have more experience on that side. Um, and it, you know, it's ultimately a luxury as they try to build up the offense that they have kind of that stopgap with the defense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And you spoke a little bit about Ron Rivera earlier and kind of the presence that he's bringing, the culture he's bringing to this organization. And, you know, he's doing all this while he's battling cancer. So, I mean, just yeah. as somebody who's talking to him on a nearly everyday basis, I mean, how, ins I mean, I think we can recognize how impossible and crazy that is, but just as somebody who has a little bit more experience with him personally, mm -hmm. how insane and crazy is that that he's managing to do this? 
I don't know how he does it, honestly. I mean, because he's not just the coach. He's like the coach and the GM, essentially. Um, so he, he oversees everything. Um, while also speaking on all the off-the-field stuff that is happening with this team and dealing with his own, you know, personal battle with cancer. And there, you know, there have been times where he's had his chemotherapy cycles and he is visibly weak and I don't know how he's getting through it. And I, you know, sometimes worry about it for his sake. Um, But I, you know, Ron knows himself better than anybody and he has, you know, a good team of doctors advising him. So I've never been one to question it, but yeah, it is. I mean, there, there are so many days where I'm like, how are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Like, but I, I think it is important to him again, going back to that bigger picture look of, you know, kind of sending that message that, you know, if I can go through this, then you guys can, you know, do what you need to do to stay on the field. So, um, you know, to be going through that, especially during a pandemic, I would imagine is, um, you know, at times terrifying. So, um, but he's handled it as well as anybody probably could. Um, But it has been pretty remarkable to watch just to see how he's adapted. And he has, he's had to change some things to, um, you know, to, you know, just in terms of his treatment schedule and, you know, the way he feels physically too. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I can't believe that that man is that strong. That's just, I can't imagine anybody doing that, especially with all the, you know, potentially slightly exaggerated, but not really tales of like what head coaches have to do on a day-to-day basis in order to keep the football team going. And then like you mentioned, he's also doing personnel management and playing PR front man. And I mean, (laughs) good Lord, they're not paying that man enough. I think we can all agree on that, no matter what the dollar number is. Yeah. Yeah. Between, between him and Alex Smith, there's plenty of, um, plenty of examples as of, of people who are just, they've overcome so many incredible things and it's, you know, inspirational and, you know, also sends a really stark message to others. If, you know, they're lagging at all. I mean, Alex Smith's comeback is still incredible to me, you know? Yeah. If he can come back from having his leg bent like that and if Ron Rivera can do this while playing cancer, I think that one guy can run that extra lap sort of mindset. Yeah, exactly. 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 Now, like you said before, you know, winning this division would mean a lot for this young team and kind of help overall trying to work towards changing that culture of losing and what have you that has surrounded the Washington football franchise for, as you said, the better part of two decades. But as we sit here seven weeks through the season, how likely do you think it actually is that they could do, pull it off and win this division? I think they could. I mean, I think they have enough talent to, um, you know, especially after Dak Prescott's unfortunate injury, which was brutal. Um, But I I do, I really do think they have enough talent. It's just a matter of pulling it all together. Um, You know, I I, I think teams that are in a similar situation to theirs, they falter when they get in their own way. Um, And that, I mean, that's been the case with Washington is, you know, they've, they've lost games by their own doing, be it turnovers or mistakes, missed tackles, blown coverages, things like that. Um, And I, you know, to have five first round picks on the defensive line alone, I mean, you got Landon Collins in the (laughs) strong safety, Kendall Fuller, who's pretty good (laughs) at corner. Um, 
you do have talent on, on the offensive line. Terry McLaurin is still incredibly underrated, in my opinion. Um, you do have some versatile backs, some solid tight ends. Like, they have enough talent um, to beat the teams that are in this division. Now, to go much beyond that, I don't – yeah, I'm not, I don't think so. <laughs> but – and I think they would even admit it. I don't – they don't have all the pieces they need to make a really deep run. But in this division, yeah, I, I think they have enough. I think it is realistic. I think that's why they were so disappointed that they lost to the, to the Giants last weekend too because they should be able to compete with these teams. Especially those NFC East teams. And I do yes. completely yeah. agree about Terry McLaurin. I love Terry McLaurin. I found him in fantasy last yeah. year and became a diehard fan naturally, yeah. which I think is how a lot of people nowadays end up becoming fans of players on teams that are never on national television yeah. at all. But uh, yeah, so that'll be really interesting to watch. I'm excited to kind of see how all that, all those pieces develop, like you said, and I'm sure you are as well. But now we'll move on to the final part of the interview here, which is some quick hitter questions. First one, very important. I'm not sure. I'll have a backup question in case you can't answer this because you moved to D.C. in a very strange time. But in the months that you have spent living here, have you developed a go-to go place to eat yet? Um. Yes, there's an um, Indian restaurant I love for takeout because I'm lazy um, <laughs> and cooking for one is stupid. Um, <laughs> so I am all about the takeout life. Um, yeah, there's a local Indian spot. I love Indian food. I mean, I'm part Indian, so it's kind of an obligation that I, you know, I love curry. So yeah, I'm big on takeout Indian food and I love being in a city where you know, the ethnic food is. Okay, great. great. Love that. Uh, yes. second, second question. This is very broad, so you can just pick whatever one out of your lengthy history as a journalist can be. But if <laughs> there is one, is there a favorite story that you have ever written or one that really stands out in your mind as one that you really enjoyed writing or enjoyed the reception to or anything like that? Mm, I wrote one for The Athletic on the Bolin family and kind of the turmoil there about their ownership situation um that one took years to report and took maybe years off my life um <laughs> but it was it was the hardest story I've worked on but I you know in turn I think it's probably the one I'm most proud of too um so yeah that that would be the one I think yeah, when you report for years on something and then it actually turns yeah. out, I imagine that yeah. comes pretty quickly to the top of the list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, for this next one, what is your favorite football memory? Nice and broad. Favorite football memory. Um, probably Super Bowl 50. I mean, that was my first full-time year on the beat. So, of course, I'm like, oh, this is great. I can get used <laughs> to this life. And then, and then it was a straight drop. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, that's, that was amazing, just going through that whole experience. Um, I also thought Peyton Manning's retirement press conference, I'll always remember that, too, um, just because of some of the things he said, everybody that was there. Um, you know, they take, like, kind of the family team photo where, you know, DT and Emmanuel are holding his kids. And, I don't know, things like that I'll remember. Same with Gary Kubiak. Um, he mentioned my name in his retirement press conference, and that was the first time I knew he knew my name. Um, <laughs> so, that was kind of jarring. Um, you know, kind of the seminal moments that are probably the same for any fan of the team um, really stick out to me. There are, like, some smaller ones in the locker room, just conversations in the locker room that I still 
laugh about um, the Titans game in, was it 2016, where Aqib Tlaib fought Harry Douglas, and then he had one of the most epic, you know, minute 30 seconds of um, comments about him afterward that I may or may not tweet out every six months or so. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's still incredible. I'm, gosh, I miss Aqib. Um, I think we all do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's just a gem. Um, yeah, little things like that. But yeah, that 2015 season was, that's the best team I've ever covered. I don't know that I'll cover a team as good as that, um, both on the field and just, you know, in terms of, you know, the material that you had with all the personalities in the locker room too. It was just awesome. A bunch of cheerful personalities too, because they kept winning, which I imagine would be. Very oh hard. yeah, <laughs> it's imagine it's it's amazing how much you know teams like you more in media when they're winning, and you have to write about all the <laughs> ways in which they're great, you know, versus they when they're losing. Know. They don't. It's weird. They just don't like you as much. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> strangest thing. Strangest thing. <laughs> it's crazy. Um. So now that you have a lot of years kind of working in this industry and you've been doing it since college, when you look back, is there anything that you wish you knew when you were first, you know, starting off on that freelance action after that night class, anything about this job that you wish you knew? I don't know if I wish I knew, I wish I'd done more of this in school was learn more about video and audio and you know, appearing on camera because I'm socially awkward as is. And like, even when we're doing the Zoom call, I'm looking in like 18 million different directions. Like, I wish I had learned that side of it and like, you know, video editing and um, because I, I think as you probably know is, you know, when outlets are looking for more do-it-all type journalists, like you, you can't just be a print journalist anymore, you know? And it's amazing. I graduated in 2007 with a, um, a, a journalism degree that was specific to print journalism. 2007, I'm like, why did I do that? You know, <laughs> like, I, so yeah, I wish I had done more digital stuff just to learn about it. Because I think it would just be helpful to me overall. Yeah, it kind of feels like now all journalists are multimedia journalists, but not all right. media journalists are like specific type journalists. It's kind of, we have to be a jack of all trades, but that's kind of like you said, you know, that was sort of what you did at the Denver Post, kind of fiddling in all sorts of yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. So. so That makes perfect sense. And then finally, to wrap up the interview, uh, what is it, something about this job that you feel like, if there's anything, that you feel like other people don't know or don't really understand? I cannot get you free tickets to the game just because I cover the team. Wouldn't it's been be seven years. My dad still asked me, hey, can you get me to the game? No, it doesn't work like that. It's amazing. They still let me in every day. Um, that's one. Um, what else? Yeah, I guess it's, you know, it's a, it's a fun job. We're all fortunate to have it. But yeah, it is, it is stressful. And you have to work your butt off to get to to be able to do this. And I got lucky in many ways, but I, I do believe, and I can say that I, you know, I worked really hard to get here mm -hmm. and it's something I'm very proud of. And I hope to have it for a long time. 
Well, I think you're in good hands, all things considered. But uh, <laughs> that'll do it, Nikki. Thank you so much for your honest and open answers about your job and giving us a lot of information about the football team. Uh, good luck with the rest of your season, and I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No, of course. And as always, thank you, listener, for tuning in. I'm your host, Lee McEwen, signing with you.